I'm Sean Kennedy, and this is Backstage at the Enharmonic. This is part two of my interview with Harold Jones. In this edition, we specifically talk about the invention of the stick bag. And at the end, we have a special guest interviewer, perhaps Tony Bennett's youngest fan. And she has a couple questions for Harold, too. I think you'll enjoy this one. Harold, can you hear me and see me? I can hear you and see you. Beautiful, man. You're looking good. Looking looking good, man. I love that hat. Is that a basketball hat from San Francisco? Yeah. 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 They come back. (laughs) That's right. That's right. All right, man. Well, uh, it was about two months ago that we chatted and talked about a whole variety of things in your career. And uh, with this COVID pandemic and all that, before we get to the uh, the main point of my interview, uh, what have you been up to the last two months? You're looking at it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been in the house except to go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then I go with my wife and I wait in the car usually and she goes in and uh, I help on, on the getting things back into the car. Then we have to bring everything home and wipe it down. Mm-hmm. I will admit, I did sneak out the other night to the men's club golf course. <laughs> the men's <laughs> club at the golf course. Okay. And, and play a few holes with them. Nice. But uh, uh, that that was that was the only thing I've done other than go to the grocery store. Wow. Yeah. 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 Have you been playing any drums at all? Just uh, practicing or nothing really? I, I'm having a hard time getting a mo. What word do I want to use? Motivated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Because, you know, I go down to practice and I say, well, now, what am I going to practice? Like, what for? I don't know what the next. I usually always had a gig in front of me. Right. And uh, I was always thinking of that. Or if I tried to improve on something on a gig from behind me that I'd done a, a week or so ago. But, man, by not playing at all. I mean, I sometimes feel like my hands are getting fat. The stick is getting heavy. (laughs) Jeez. But I I have to go down just to keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah. Stay in shape. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, in our last interview, you mentioned uh, that you were the inventor of the stick bag. And before we get into the story of that, uh, just in case the listeners aren't drummers, uh, or they're not too familiar. I have a prop. Let's see if I can get this right. Okay, so this is kind of your standard stick bag for you people that don't know. It's a bag that holds your sticks, and usually there's these little clasps, and you can hang it on your floor tom, and there might be a bag for something else, but it's specially designed for drumsticks, and if you want to look cool, you can put it over your shoulder when you're walking down the street. So before we all had stick bags, Harold, what did people use? Did they just, like, was it just cacophony? You, and everywhere? you put them in the top of the trap case where you put your hardware. Okay. Yeah, because back then all the hardware went in a trap case because it was okay. a lot smaller, the hardware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. so uh, you just put your sticks in there. The uh, I was always embarrassed going to my music school. I caught a bus to go from where I was staying and uh, having to carry my sticks and brushes on the bus. Mm-hmm. And everybody, everybody looking at you. It's like seeing, like seeing a guy with a guitar on the bus. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, but you put it in a case of some kind. Right. And so, anyway, I went to South America with Paul Winter in '61, mm-hmm. and uh, when we were '60, whenever, and when uh, we were down there, 
we were in one of the recording studios and a couple of the drummers came in and these guys had the it was like an archery bag like mm. you put bows like you put arrows in mm-hmm. and they had one of those uh hanging from the drum and they had their drumsticks in it and that's where i got the idea from was just like that so when i came back home to the states uh, I was studying it with uh, different people, but Al Payson with the Chicago Symphony, mm-hmm. he was one of the, the guys, he was a snare drummer there. And I said, hey, man, I come up with this idea, this stick bag. And uh, I said, I want to show it to you. wonder if we could use this idea and make it an idea and use it. He, he looked at it and then he said, well, why don't we open it up? Open it up and then uh, uh, hang it right here on the drum Hmm. and i didn't even think of that and it was really a a lot more practical once he did that he realized that hey man you can just hang this on the the mallets you can hang it on the timpani Mm -hmm. you can hang it on any one of the drums or in the percussion area and uh depending on what you wanted it for but it it became all more like that and uh man it was a great idea and uh when we tried to sell it, the idea to the drum companies, they said, oh, no, drummers don't need a stick bag. That's like wow. garbage. Yeah, nobody would take it. I'm talking about Ludwig, Gretsch. I don't remember who else was out there at that time. But, yeah, it was like girlish or something, you know. So, um, anyway, it, it, it's funny to me that it went from uh, nobody had one to now everybody has one. I mean. Because uh, it was a necessity thing. It's just like a trumpet player or, or violin player with a case. And uh, they got their bows and they put them in there. And anyhow, yeah, it was just a, an idea that blossomed from necessity. And uh, because it was like a woman's purse, a pocketbook, uh, it was an unpatentable item. That means if you moved, if you made this exact thing, but you changed one zipper or one button, it was a completely different idea. So you couldn't patent the idea. Well, next thing I know, I, we started getting polite letters from people saying, hey, we saw your stick bag, we love it. We're going to make a few <laughs> and and change this and that. And they were all nice about it. I mean, I, I think LP Percussion was one of the first. Yeah, everybody was polite. And so I'm just glad to see everybody uses it, and it did do something practical for drummers. Yeah. Oh yeah, I couldn't I couldn't uh, imagine living without it. You know, because if if I have drumsticks in my car, they're rolling around. It's like, it's like you ever watch Shark Tank? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, like their whole thing is find a problem and then come up with the solution, and that's what oh. this is. Like oh yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Boy, so I do you they know- were around then, huh? <laughs> I know, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I could have used a shark. <laughs> so, did you bring one of those uh, South American uh, arrow quivers back with you, or just the idea? Yes, I I brought the quiver back with me. It was okay. very, very soft leather. Oh boy, it was so soft, and uh, it zipped up and down, and that's how the guy put his sticks in. Then he zipped it back up, and that was all he had was that little round, little round tube there. Okay. So um, uh, I kept it, but you have tell you, I'm digging out in my basement now about 60 years of <laughs> storage stuff. I'm finding things and I 
it's taken me all day to get through one couple of things because you read it and your memory starts coming back. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you so have it somewhere it's, in your house? Huh? You have that somewhere in your house? The yes. first one? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I I was raised, I, I don't throw anything away. <laughs> right. Yeah, we, we, we use not not completely dirty paper towels a second time. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah. Yeah, man. So did Al, Al and you uh, put a zipper on it and like get somebody to get a sewing machine and make a prototype of the one that opens up and hangs on the bag on the toms? Yes. Yeah. Al got, Al had a guy that was doing some of his work already. I forget the name, Pace and Percussion Products. Hmm. That was the name of his company. And uh, he had a guy that was already doing his work for him. Wow. For the first, first dick bag, it was really easy. But it wasn't that well made, and we used the cheapest material we could right. at the time. So uh, there was all those little things that entered into it. But every year, I've seen it get better and better by whoever's making it. I love oh, it. Yeah. yeah, some of them are crazy now. They can even stand up on their own and all that type of stuff. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, it's incredible, man. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to uh, spend some time on this and uh, just get to the inventor of the stick bag because I never even. I never even thought that someone invented it because it was just like, you know, it's like, I'm sure someone invented a drum key, but yeah. <laughs> you can't live without it. So that's really cool. Okay, man. Yeah. So let's see, just a couple of follow-up things uh, to commemorate this. Uh, a friend of mine is doing a big band arrangement of a tune that I wrote. And uh, we were trying to come up with a name for this tune. It's a bluesy type of rock and tune. And we had gone back and forth with some emails and texts. And uh, the tune is being released in about a week or so. So the title of the tune is actually Stickbag Jones. So <laughs> this, this big band tune is going to exist now in honor of you inventing this stick bag. So we named it after you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. You, yeah. you know that we didn't have a name for that bag in the very, very beginning. So okay. Al Payson's wife, she came up with the name Jonesy Stick Tote. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then later it got into Josie's stick bag. And then later I started getting razzed so much about my name being on the bag. I was in this car. I forget. He started winning into paste and percussion products on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So, well, maybe we'll actually make a, a subtitle uh, called uh, Josie's Stick Coat or something. <laughs> <laughs> on a trumpet solo or something <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah so yeah, that'll be released uh, that'll be released in about a week it's the uh, philly crock jazz orchestra so it's a whole big band uh, i'm sitting in on drums um we have a lead trumpet player uh jay webb sitting in from the doc seventh and tribute band so it should be a good time all right man well make yeah. sure i'm in tuned in you will man and i might even put part of this interview into the uh the youtube release of it to get you okay. in there okay yeah. All right. But we have a special um, addition to this one. I let my nine-year-old daughter uh, know that we were talking last night, and she loves Tony, Lady Gaga, and all that stuff. Yeah, man. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. So, uh, Natalie, why don't you come over here? Harold, this is Natalie. Hi. <laughs> so she was super excited. Um, we were listening to um, – let me see if you can see it. The uh, – Cheek to Cheek album. I don't know if you can see it back there on my thing. Yep, there it oh, yeah. is. Yeah. And um, I told her that you played on that, and you've played with tons of other people. So she even wrote questions for me to ask you, but... That's okay. 
Yeah, I, I figured she could do it herself. Yeah, she should. She okay. Said, I, 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 my grandchildren called me. I didn't have to call them when I did that job. Oh, of course, right. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Natalie, why don't you ask uh, Harold your questions? Yes. So, um, one of them is, so, you know how uh, Tony, he sometimes, um, he says something at the end of, like, his songs or something? Yeah. Did he ever yeah. say to you, you are beautiful? Yeah. Well, what's your question now? Oh, I should. She just wanted to know if he does that because we have some live um, recordings of him, and he always does that. You are beautiful, and she he, loves that. He <laughs> does that, and you never know for sure what he's going to say at the end. I mean, I think he just kind of like bursts out whatever he's feeling. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that 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 in that case, that's what came out. And you, that's, you can understand how the way she looked. <laughs> All right, you got your next question? Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you ever meet Lady Gaga? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got, uh, you know what? My grandson and my granddaughter have got to meet her. Yeah, we've, we've got pictures of them. Sean, after I, after I get to my secretary, my wife, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll have her help me send some pictures to you. Beautiful. That'll be great. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, because my grandson, let's see, he's 12 now. When did we do that? About five years ago or more? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because he was around that age then, see? And yeah, he was a little too young. He fell asleep at the concert. <laughs> yeah. And my wife said uh, she was glad he did at one point because of the wardrobe she came out in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he woke up at the end when everything was back back on top. Yeah. So, so but anyway, I have and my then, wife send some pictures, Sean, to you. Oh, that's great. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And then Natalie had Natalie had one more question uh, yeah. about the drums, and you can see the picture, so she'll ask you the question. So go ahead. Um. Do you prefer to play the hi-hat, the snare, or the bass drum? Well, for me, I think of all of them as one instrument. I'm kind of like tapping the bass drum with one foot and the hi-hat's on two and four on the other foot. And then my left hand is just playing, just playing just that little bit. Just just so I think of my drum set with all four appendages, with, you know, both arms, both legs. I think of that just like if you sat down at the piano and it's one instrument. That way I don't end up hitting something to hit it. I'm, I'm hearing the, the tones and colors of the drum set. Yeah. So I don't have a particular, no favorite instrument. Uh, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I have to love them all. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, she has one more question. You've okay. inspired her one more question. Go ahead. Yeah. Did you ever meet Frank Sinatra? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was at one of those kind of times. I was with I was with Count Basie. And we were in, in Las Vegas. And one of those kind of times backstage that uh I got off the bandstand because Frank had his own drummer. So I'm standing back there in the wings and uh, I get, I'm standing next to him waiting for my next position. Yeah. We ended up talking. He was the nicest guy in the world. 
Wow. Yeah, all the, all those reports you heard about him being mean or a bad guy, I, I don't agree with because uh, that was out in public and, and the paparazzi were just beginning to be born then, you know? Yeah, so he was really a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Harold. Thanks for taking time to answer Natalie's questions. Thank you. Yeah. And Natalie, I guess, you know, that's one of my favorite names. I'm, I'm on, I'm on uh, the CD that won like, I think what, eight Grammys, nine Grammys. Unforgettable. Mm -hmm. Natalie Cole. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, Natalie. I'll talk to you. See you soon. Yep. Thank you. Bye. All righty. Bye. Yeah. Uh all right. Well, thanks for that portion, Howard. Hey, man, I like to hear what the future wants to know. <laughs> she loves it, man. She's she likes uh, Tony. She likes uh, Count Basie. Um, what's the other one, Dean Martin. She loves Dean Martin. She loves them all. <laughs> Great, man. Let me tell you. One day I was down at Capitol Studios, and I I don't know who I was in there recording with, and uh, across the hall on one of the breaks, I hear Dean Martin's voice, and I go in there. And it's one of the top guys in L.A., Schmidt, Al Schmidt, great mixer at, at, at Capitol Records. And, and he was all the way back to, like, Sam Cooke and those guys. Hmm. This guy's been there, through Nat King Cole and all of them. Anyhow, he was in there taking Dean Martin's voice off of his Dean Martin records. And, and he was going, they were going to use them over commercials and other things. Wow. And I heard one of them. It was really, it's really something what they're starting to do now, you know, with those voices of the past. Yeah. You know, like some of those voices be lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we don't have the quality voices anymore. But this right. guy was in there taking those Dean Martin voices. And I'm going to tell you, when you heard Dean Martin's voice just by itself, it was just as pure and as flawless as Nat King Cole, Frank mm -hmm. Sinatra, Tony Bennett. I mean, he was pure. Yeah. I oh, couldn't yeah. believe how good it was. Yeah. So anyway, incredible. That memory. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking some time, and I hope we get to uh, start playing live again, so we have a reason to uh, practice uh, and I'm get just, our. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I I just put on old movies and Doctor Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's about all we can yeah. do right now, and enjoy yeah. our trip to the tour. Last week, I yeah. went to Home Depot to get something, and I felt like I was going to Disney World. I was yeah. like, wow. <laughs> My wife and I were here at home getting ready to go there one day. Couldn't figure out what to wear, you know? <laughs> it's like exactly weird. right. Yeah. I know. It's a strange time, man. It's a strange time. Yeah, man. Yeah. But stay safe. Right on. And, I, and your daughter, you do beautiful work, man. Thank you yeah. very much. All right. Talk to you later, man. Okay, thanks, Harold. Talk to you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Backstage the Enharmonic. For more great interviews, please visit www.seanjkennedy.com.